heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. I think it's safe to say most of us have been waiting actually for some time now to see COVID in the rearview mirror. And we often think, what is life going to be like after the fact? You know, if, if you think back, and of course, you can't think back this far, but if you could think back 100 years to that other pandemic back in 1917, 19, before our time, right? For most all of us. Uh, and you wonder, did the world ever become normal again after that pandemic? And what did it look like, right? I, I mean, I think about that all the time. What's our, you know, <laughs> we, we hear those words, the new normal. That always made me a little nervous, this new normal business. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You started hearing that out there, the new normal. And I thought, what is that exactly that they're trying to tell us with this new normal? Listen, I don't, as you know already, I don't do the, the theorist kind of stuff here, but I am very practical and like to look at the facts and the data on these kinds of stories. You know, we've all lived through uh, this um uh, if, if we're listening to this, we've lived through this global pandemic with the likes of, you know, we, we see maybe in a lifetime, right? There's been some strange things happening in our country. I think we have to be collective now and look at everything to say, what's this going to look like after the fact? But before we do that, my fellow Americans, we have to look at what just took place and understand how this happened. You know, you hear a lot of talk right now in a lot of these uh, media circles about all of a sudden they could have had a V8. It's like, oh, let's talk about the origins of this. You're seeing that on various news channels now, the origins. We were talking about that a year and a half ago. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of old news at this point. Yeah, the Wuhan thing. No, not the bat in the soup kind of thing. Uh, we're talking about the intentional release of a biological weapon. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's the story right there, right? And that's kind of old news, actually, isn't it? Well, maybe not to some of these people. So now they're all looking at, well, maybe the origins of this. Let's discuss the origins they want to talk about. You know, it, it, and it is it is odd. It's weird all of a sudden how it, it, maybe it's because it's a little bit slow of a news cycle. And of course, the media have to gravitate to the next big crisis, don't you think? I mean, it's either that or you talk about the Gates divorce. What else are you going to talk about? I mean, Biden. All right. So, I mean, nobody's really excited about him. So where does that leave us? Well, let's go back and talk about the source of this thing. <laughs> it blows my mind, people, really. All of this should should be a lesson to everybody that they're just trying to fill airtime. That's all it is. They're trying to create the next crisis. It's the next look over there, look over there kind of syndrome. That's what this is all about. I mean, constantly it's a drip, 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 drip. And it's annoying because a lot of this creates fear and it creates fear in the people. And it's, it's, it's not fair at all. I mean, quite frankly, uh, this fear that's put out there, this propaganda machine that continues to drip these kinds of things out there, there's a lot to learn from this entire production. And I, I use the word production very intentionally with this pandemic, right? I mean, it has been orchestrated beyond belief. 
was almost hard to believe initially. You know, and again, many of us have short memories, so we forget a lot of the pieces when this thing started, remember, right? I mean, but, you know, you remember the fear out there. You couldn't even touch a package when it was coming in the mail. Remember they said, leave it alone for two days and let it rest? I mean, it was odd. You know, locking the dog park down, running, people exercising with full mask on, two mask on, listening to Fauci, listen. I mean, this was insanity. And a lot of people fell for it. I mean, the, the, the whole thing. In, but the problem is they really weren't looking at the facts, looking at the data or, you know, the, the, the tagline they use, uh, the science. I chuckle when I hear that, the science. Yeah, the science. The science is manipulated to whatever they want it to be. I mean, come on, who, who are we kidding here? The science. It's a joke. I mean, the science. So they manipulate whatever they want, just like any report or any poll. You, you stack it up the way you want it, and then you feed it. You feed it to the sheep. Problem is, a lot of those sheep digest it whole and pass it on to others. And that's a problem we're having. So the overarching theme we really want to talk about, my friends, is how do we restore public trust after COVID, right? Is it even possible? I mean, is it really possible that we can restore public trust? I mean, you know, and, and that's a big, that's a catch-all. That's a big thing. I mean, you think about restoring public trust, I think right away, well, you know, we were trying to restore public trust in our justice departments. We were trying to adjust with justice in America. And then the FBI and the DOJ and all of these bureaucracies and governments, how do we restore trust there? And how do we restore trust with government on the federal and the local level, right? I mean, many of us are just simply trying to restore trust within our neighborhoods, our circle of friends and family and people that we love. We're trying to restore trust there. That's been one of the biggest problems and fallouts from this whole COVID, really, people, is the distrust with people. Well, that's because they pit person after person. They pit people against each other. I mean, we actually talked the other day. They have apps now. I mean, this is mind-blowing. There are apps that allow you to cheat and, and talk about your neighbors and your friends and report them if they don't have a vaccination or they, you know, potentially aren't wearing their mask when they're supposed to or something else. I mean... This far surpasses Orwellian. This is in the insanity stage, what's taking place here. So you have to ask yourself, is public trust restorable, you know, after COVID? Is it really? And what does that really mean, you know? It, so this is going to be a real blockbuster today. I'm going to tell you right up front here. So I have a gentleman coming on who is... Uh, very passionate about this. He, he, he and his team have done extensive, extensive work on this. And I'll, I'll read you a quote from him in just a moment here. But joining us, and I'm, I'm privileged to say today on the program, will be Dr. Henry Ely. Dr. Henry Ely is the founder and executive community director of the Energetic Health Institute. He holds a doctorate in naturopathic medicine from SCNM a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from UCLA, board certified in holistic nutrition by the NANP, has over 20 years of teaching and clinical experience. In fact, this is another interesting point. He was the first naturopathic doctor to regularly teach at a major university in the United States. He headed up a program there at Arizona State University in bioanxiety management. That's fascinating to me. 
He's the lead author on five research papers on COVID-19. So he's he's dug real deep in this. And and I like this quote. Let me give this to you up front. So I, I wanted to, you know, give you a few credentials. I don't always go too deep in credentials, but I think they're important here. So that's why I share it with you. Okay. Uh, when they're important, they're important. Let me read this quote to you. Our COVID research team has dedicated more than 20,000 hours into investigating all aspects of COVID-19 and producing this work. The authors feel that it is a seminal manuscript that will empower elected officials, attorneys, professional organizations, and the public to take action on behalf of good people throughout the world. And that is a quote from the gentleman today we'll meet in just a moment here, Dr. Henry L. Ely. Restoring public trust during a global health crisis is one of the big items here that he has focused on and the collection of work he's done. So let's pay attention here. Sharpen your pencils back there at, uh, at home in your businesses as you listen to this. And, and let's, uh, let, let's learn some things from Dr. Ely. And Dr. Ely, welcome to The Voice of a Nation. It is a pleasure and a privilege to have you here. Malcolm, it is such an honor to be here. Uh, I, I love your dulcet tones. You remind me of uh, when I was a child, my parents lived to Pat, uh, listen to Pat Harvey uh, on the radio, and he it was just such a reassuring voice, you know, um, such a solid reporting voice that you trust. I just am so appreciative to be here, sir. Oh, thank you. You're, you're speaking of Paul Harvey. Paul, Paul Harvey, Harvey, excuse yeah. me. I, Pat yeah. Harvey is the yeah. newscaster. Yeah. Paul yeah. Harvey. Yeah. 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 You know, you know, if I, if I, I want to tell you, Dr. Lee, if I had, if I had, um, oh, maybe a dollar bill for every time somebody <laughs> gave me that mention, I, I'd be able to retire somewhere probably very successfully. It is. Thank you so much for that wonderful compliment. Um, Amen. so it's a pleasure to, to have you here. Truly it is. And, um, I want to showcase uh, the work you've done. I really want to, my goal today is to educate people and really turn it on a little bit because you have a lot of information in you to deliver to folks. And so let's try to break it down. There are three key questions. Let's throw out there right now, which you reference in much of your material. And let me tell listeners what they are right now. So the first one is, is this a public health emergency? Mm -hmm. OK, mm -hmm. the second one is this woeful misconduct. Mm -hmm. And the third is, where is the compassion? Now, those questions get me thinking a lot based and I've got a lot of information myself from a lot of material and experience and research I've done on this. And those questions pique my curiosity as to where you're at. And then I think of all the misgivings that we've all experienced with this. So let's start with that first one. And then we'll dive more into this. And then we'll also get into some of the papers you wrote and some other very cool things. So is this and was this a public health emergency? Well, you know, I, I think at the outset, when we are in the great unknown, caution is warranted. Um, but I, I do think that when you start discussing, um, you know, restricting healthy people, people who are not symptomatic, um, it starts to raise the eyebrows very, very quickly. Uh, so what I am a big on is prove it. It is so key. And when we're talking from a, an objective scientific perspective, you have to prove it. So to prove things, we need data. We, it's, it's an old Sherlock Holmes, if you like the movie kind of quote, you know, uh, you know, bricks, bricks, bricks. I, I, I cannot make a house 
without bricks. And that's where our data comes in. I need those bricks. Mm-hmm. Amen. So, Let so, me ask you something before you go to the data. Now, you, you, you got me thinking here. You pick up a good point here. So you're right. That question now, and I don't don't want to be lackadaisical on that question or lazy. So when we say is is this or was this a public health emergency? Okay, so I'm thinking back now to when they thought, you know, when they first started having those daily press conferences. You remember that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And there were so many unknowns because we had never dealt with a pandemic in our lives really to this. I mean, again, you have to go back. Was it 1917? If I have the year right, I think I'm just. By memory, yeah, 1918. That was just before my time, by the way. So you know, so back then, you know, the world dealt with it in a different way. And of course, technology wasn't anywhere, and communications was far different, and travel, transportation was different. A lot of things were different back then. So I'm wondering here. Now, here's what I'm thinking: a lot of these people in power positions, I think are on power trips, uh, truly. And a lot of them, I don't even think, you know, I'm going to tell you right now, Doc, I think a lot of them are not even aware. uh, Some are aware, but some, I don't even know that they're aware. They sound as careless and crazy as they sound. Um, But once they attach themselves to that initial pandemic and oh my God, the fear. And you remember, we're going to, we're going to shut down. We're going to lock down. I mean, this was, I couldn't believe I was hearing this. I, I was, I about, you know, Dr. Lee, I was like, you've got to be joking me. Right. When Trump said, well, we're going to lock down for two weeks mm-hmm. and we're going to flatten the curve. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, what is that? We're, we're locked down. This right. is, I mean, we were like crazy. And then watch the boxes you get in the mail and don't touch things. And this thing could fall from the sky. And they locked the dog park up, took the hoops off the community basketball court. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was like, wow, this was like a movie. Now, once they did that dramatic scene, think about this a moment here. And they had all of this happening. What I'm wondering is this. Once public officials attach themselves to that point, Mm-hmm. Was it hard for them, do you think, to back off? Because once they, like you just said, they never followed the data and the science and the facts. It was don't wear a mask, wear a mask, wear two, wear three, get a shot, get a vaccine. Don't worry about the pregnancy. I mean, the things started, the lies and the mistruths started coming. And I'm just wondering, with the fear factor, and they were demanding things at that point, social distance, wear your mask, shut up, sit home, behave yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you think they just sort of attached themselves so much to all of this that they didn't know how to back off anymore, maybe? You know, what we're learning um, in our work with elected officials and, and attorney groups around the, the country and really around the world now, uh, Malcolm, is something a little different. Uh, we, we are learning that these elected officials and these public health officials um, accepted a tremendous amount of money and that money came with strings attached. Um, and that the strings were you are going to accept this, this narrative and you are going to promote this narrative far and wide. Uh, there was never any empirical evidence to substantiate a six feet of distancing as a magical number for safety. That's preposterous. There was never a test done. And what, what comes so alarming when you, when you learn that is that... Um, if you're going to give that kind of guidance, it needs to be based upon data, empirical evidence, empirical scientific evidence, but it never was. So that was a theory of, that it would work. No proof, but it got widely accepted because of the financial ties and the strings attached. Then you have the masking debate early on. Should we mask? No, we're not going to mask, according to Dr. Fauci. And then we are going to mask because this is, and then we're going to make sure we mask because there's a potential for asymptomatic transmission, blah, blah, blah. And, it, and what happens with that is, 
there's no empirical evidence. That's why I say it's so important to prove it. If you're going to say six feet, you need to show me the empirical science of the scientific community needs to be able to digest that and deliberate on it, right? And then give our feedback. If you're going to suggest that masks are appropriate for a person who is otherwise healthy, is non-symptomatic, I refuse to use that asymptomatic in, in discussion of people. If a person is non-symptomatic, then you have to prove that and you have to show the empirical evidence that substantiates it. I find it very curious that over 14 months later, we still do not have significant studies substantiating that, but we have do have studies saying that it's a completely ineffective and, at, and could even potentially create not only um, physical health issues with bacterial uh, pneumonia, et cetera, um, and hypoxia and things like that. And I got a, a chilling story for you about a little girl um, who was uh, trying out for a basketball team and um, almost went into cardiac arrest wearing one. Uh, and then, you know, and then it just kept evolving this, this strings attached narrative kept evolving to then uh, Dr. Fauci floats his next asymptomatic, you know, carrier kind of theory. Again, no empirical evidence to substantiate this. And when you have um, uh, government officials, elected officials and public health officials who have essentially accepted the money first and foremost to continue this narrative, then what happens is they are bought in. So it becomes it, it, it would be. It would be um, too nice for us, in my opinion, at this point, to give them a free pass and say, well, they couldn't do anything about it because they accepted the money. No, <clears throat> excuse me. There are some counties in this country where the county commissioners actually said, said you know what, I, I see the offer of the money, but let me get the fine print. What am I actually agreeing to? And they read the fine print and they said no. And they sent the money back and said, we will retain control over our our communities. And one of those counties is uh, some people I've met recently and I'm very proud of, uh, you know, Lander County, Nevada. They read the fine print on the strings that were attached to the money and they said no. And they refused the money and they retained their freedom and they kept full control over their county. And it was a wise decision. And it's something I think counties throughout the country are going to have to do and consider giving back the money that they accepted with strings attached to it. No, clarify for me. I remember reporting early on about the, as the numbers were escalating of, of people who were dying from the virus. Mm -hmm. I recall that there were there was money attached to many of the healthcare, uh, well, facilities and doctors, organizations, hospitals, what have you, mm -hmm. uh, who were being incentivized by having like you know, I said many times, I mean, it's not like we cured heart disease and cancer or diabetes in that period of time. Yet, as, as I recall, and I'd like you to speak about this a moment, I think, as I remember seeing those death numbers were way down, but yet COVID was through the roof. And it, it was obvious to some of us that they were attaching anything at all to COVID. And then the numbers were constantly skyrocketing. And I wondered how that all played into this narrative of fear. And then the, the money they were paying them all for a COVID death. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm very privileged to know uh, Dr. Scott Jensen, who was speaking out about this um, uh, last year as it was happening in real time, and he got vilified for doing so. Uh, Medicare, Medicaid um, had a 20% bump uh, for any COVID diagnosis uh, in terms of uh, a billable returns for hospitals. Wow. That's, wow. that's enormous, right? Yeah. So um, the USA Today first vilified him and then later fact-checked him and, and found him to be accurate that a hospital per patient could 
reclaim on average 39,000 more than they could for other infectious disease diagnosis. So um, when you look at that, there's a financial incentive. There's that money with strings attached, right? So we go, we have to look a little bit deeper into how did this happen? Well, there's two key documents that um, the CDC publishes and then a second one that the CDC adopts that are very concerning. The first document was, uh, was published by the CDC in the National Vital Statistics System, which is a subsidiary um, of the CDC, essentially, in terms of hierarchy, uh, was, uh, called the March uh, 24th COVID number two alert. And this is all public record. Yeah. Uh, and what they said very clearly on there is, will COVID be the underlying um, diagnosis. Let me read exactly a, a verbatim quote here. Will COVID-19 be, uh, be the underlying cause? The underlying cause depends on what and where conditions are reported on the death certificates. And this is specific for death certificates, Malcolm, to start with. Okay. Um, however, the rules for coding and selection of the underlying cause of death are expected to result in COVID-19 being the underlying cause more often than not. Now, keep in mind, this is before we even have an approved testing methodology for this. Mm -hmm. They're telling coders for death certificates that the underlying cause of death is expected to be COVID-19. So that takes on an added significance because when we looked at the data from, we started this process on March 12th, getting into the data every day. And we went and analyzed data from South Korea and Italy and China and, and, and these initial countries because we wanted to understand what was the bell-shaped curve going to look like for the United States. You know what I mean? Like there's, this is a predictable kind of model once you actually start getting data coming in. And so we had a really good understanding of what we were expecting and the length of period of time. It'd be about 40 days, um, according to the data we had in Italy, which we felt was the most trustworthy data we could get. And the CDC on March 9th came out and said, if you're over 60 and you have comorbid conditions, you're at high risk. We need you to stay home and prepare to be locked, uh, prepare to stay home for an extended period of time, meaning, you know, six weeks or something like that was the anticipated margin, which would make sense. That was, that's good advice. Well, what becomes interesting, Malcolm, is in that March 24th document, they make one other change. And we weren't, we saw this and we we're kind of curious. We didn't really get it until the summer, but they have another question. And it says, should COVID-19 be reported on the death certificates only when with a confirmed test? Now, you and I are thinking, I know for me, I'd say yes, right? We need a confirmed test. We need to know that person. Does that make sense so far? Like we need to know that person was mm -hmm. positive, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, this was what they said. COVID-19 should be reported on the death certificate for all decedents where the disease caused, and this is the key, and they bolded this, or is assumed to have caused or contributed to death. Wow. What? Right. And this is where Dr. Jensen got uh, uh, Scott Jensen got this and said, well, wait, this is wrong that we never write what we assume to be on death certificate because these are official documents. So then um, they go on to say uh, certifiers should include as much detail as possible based upon their knowledge of the case, medical records, blah, blah, blah. If the decedent had other chronic conditions such as COPD or asthma that may have also contributed, those conditions can be reported in part two. Now, let me, let me help your audience real quick with this. Cause of death is listed number in part one of death certificates and on the last line of part one. 
when typically when a person has comorbid conditions, those are put in a timeline on part one. So that the original major comorbid condition is ultimately the cause of death for a person, even if there was an infection at the end stage or something like that, right? What the CDC is saying here explicitly to people who are reporting death certificates is to change that completely, but only for COVID. Now you can put COVID in part one and take all the comorbid conditions and put them in part two so they're not statistically calculated. And now what you can do when you make that subtle change only for COVID is inflate death counts. And what the CDC has published recently, this was in February, is that 94% of all um, death certificates have on average 4.0 comorbid conditions. So what we're calling for is a full audit of all death certificates because that statistic right there, Malcolm, says that the yeah. death count may be inflated by as much as 94%. Wow. Wow. And, and the fact they use the word just assume, uh, you can assume whatever you want to assume and just put it down and we'll send you the check anyways, huh? Exactly. Because there, and there's that. Now, here's how you get the complicit action at, on the part of hospital administrators and so right. forth, right? right? Because it's like people will disagree with that 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 edict right there in the March uh, 24th COVID number two document. But then it's like, well, just go along with it. We're going to shut down your hospitals anyway. So you're going to have a huge drop in revenue. But here's how you can make that revenue up by going along to get along. And we'll give you this money to do so. These are the strings that get attached to the money. Yeah, yeah. You know, I thought of exactly that when we were talking about this early on, and you're, you're, you're kind of cementing this whole conversation right now for everybody. But I remember thinking about that, like, if you're in a situation where you're a healthcare or one of these hospitals organizations, they're making strategic decisions for their balance sheet, basically. These are mm -hmm. balance sheet kind of decisions in the boardroom. Mm -hmm. It's clearly to know where the stakeholders are going to go and how they're going to go along with the game. And we wondered, how, how do we get this information out? So if, if Americans really understood and under new and simple terms what you just said, now think about this a moment, Dr. Ely, let's all think, I mean, if just, to, just on the basis of what you just said, so now your, your suspicion antenna has to go up multiple times uh, forward because you're thinking, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why would they want to escalate numbers? What would, I mean, there's a whole lot of, I mean, you just don't do that casually. There has to be an end product as to why you're doing that. So what is the goal for that? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the money factor over here, but the fact that you want to create more fear and escalate the numbers, well, then that's, I guess, what? You're just trying to take more control of people's lives? What is, what is the end product to all that? Well, it is interesting when you start with a, um, a, a wonderful three-word phrase. They come up with these three-word phrases all the time. Right. Flatten the curve, right? Yeah. And now all the way to masks save lives to um, get the jab, you know, or, and, and you know, and when, when you're looking at this, you're like, okay, when you start looking at the money and you track the money, you see that uh, American taxpayer with, without getting any return on investment has invested hundreds of billions of dollars into these companies, into the rapid development of an experimental product that's still in clinical trial until late 2022 and 2023, depending on the manufacturer. And yet these products have been approved, approved for people like pregnant mothers who have never been tested on. So they're being essentially tested on right now, which is 
uh, very concerning. You see that in the clinical trials, they never tested this on people who had uh, already recovered uh, from previous infections of SARS-CoV-2 virus. So we have no knowledge of how this interacts on people, uh, how these uh, experimental products would interact with a person who's already recovered, and there's grave concerns about that. And then you start saying, well, why did, how did this get extended this far, especially when you look at certain countries like Sweden, for example, who got a lot of flack for saying, you know what, we're going to do the right thing. We're going to tell the people that are highest risk to be stay home and be concerned, but we're not going to tell them they have to. And everybody else, we're going to tell them this is what's going on, but we need you to, and we're asking you to be responsible. We're not going to mandate you stay home or six feet of distancing or wear a, a mask that we have no empirical evidence on. And look at Sweden today. They're, they're free. They're, everything is quote unquote normal in that country. When you look at videos and hear reports of what's going on, everybody's fine because they treated people like citizens, not like children. And when you look at this situation here, I, I, the first thing is there's a dramatic change to how death certificate reporting goes. So we, we did is we start looking at the laws surrounding how do you change death certificates this great? This had to go through a process, a formal review, you would think. Well, it didn't. The formal process is the, in the federal government, you have to go through the Administrative Procedures Act, the Paperwork Reduction Act, and the um, and Information Quality Act. And, and these are three important federal laws that you have to go through that's, that support a straight procedure uh, for every federal agency where you have to say, hey, we want to make a change. The reason we say, you, hey, we want to make a change is because it launches two things. It launches federal oversight and it also launches public comment periods. Now, no scientist got to weigh in on this, this change on death certificate reporting. Not one scientist outside of the CDC got to weigh in on this and say, hey, there's going to be some problems with this approach. We've had a methodology for death certificate reporting in place for the last 17 years. Why are you changing that completely but only for COVID-19. Do you understand how that's going to compromise all statistical analysis moving forward? Or do you understand how that's going to invite a inflation in, um, in death uh, certificates specific for COVID? Do you understand the problems with that? So there was no challenge that was afforded us, even though that we're supposed to have that by law. And what it effectively does is it compromises the data so much that you might as well just put a a dry erase board in front of the American people and write any number you want on there and then erase it at will to be able to do it. It's, it is definitively data manipulation and data manipulation that was definitely not to benefit the American people. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's becoming clearer and clearer. So when I say, you know, will we ever really know the truth? That's what you're, you seem to be focused on, you and your team, Dr. Ely, is getting that truth out there to the public. You know, I, I started this conversation today talking about, when we talked about restoring public trust, um, take a moment, uh, we have a few, just a few quick moments before we pause here a moment, but tell me, how, in a nutshell, what, what are the pieces to restore, is, is public trust restorable and Give us a hint to what the pieces are to do that. Well, the, I, I believe public trust is always restorable, but it comes through right action. And so the first thing that people need to do is admit mistakes were made. The second thing people need to do is to audit 
all records, all death certificates, and to make accessible as simple information for any American, every single PCR test and the cycle threshold count that it was deemed positive at so that we can make some determinations and really do something that's important here, correct the counts, correct the death counts, correct the hospitalization counts, correct the case counts. And these are all possible because the information is, is collected, it's just not readily available. And what's been very concerning is when we've made rec records requests, we get rebuffed or you get the runaround uh, trying to get um, that information through Freedom of Information Acts or, or requests with certain states. But what's become very concerning, Malcolm, and I'll leave this here for the audience to think about, is now we have elected officials making these requests and they are also getting denied access to public health data that all elected officials should have access to. And then you have to ask why that is. Why are elected officials being denied, let alone you and I, my friends, but why are elected officials being denied this vital information? And we're seeing that with, uh, with many uh, uh, specific officials in the political circles, absolutely. Uh, you know, I see Jim Jordan asking for a lot of things. A lot of the re Republican uh, congressmen and, and senators are asking, but they're, they're not getting it. Um, and, you know, then this this bigger conversation, I, I think we've all lost trust with most government agencies. I think probably the vast majority of Americans have lost total trust with so many of these agencies. And now we see, you know, the CDC and, the, and even the WHO, the World Health Organization, you remember Trump pulled out of that and, and got after them about the money and their relationship with China. And what did the Biden administration do immediately? He, he re-nurtured, re re-established uh, that relationship with them and changed everything, which he's done all the way across the board for whatever Trump has done. There's a, a bigger thing that's coming to my mind as we're talking to Dr. Henry Ely here today. And uh, restoring public trust during this global health crisis is the topic we're discussing here. He brings up some very vital and specific points. Um, and I, I like what he says there, admit the mistakes were made. But what I'm thinking right now is who, how do we get those mistakes to be made? I mean, who's going to admit is, and I'll ask him that a little bit here, but you know, how, how do we get anybody to admit anything? I mean, these people deny, 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 deny. They just, it's like they, uh, I started the program by the way, they dig a hole and they keep digging the hole. Actually he referenced, he thought I was letting them off the hook a little bit. And, and actually I wasn't letting them off the hook kind of thing, but he was right to question it. Um, but uh, uh, here's, here's the quandary I'm wondering, and I want you all to think about it. And I'm going to ask Dr. Ely just ahead here as well in the program. You know, was this a calculated uh, uh, pandemic, I guess, for a better way? Was this a calculated event? Uh, you know, how much did they know? There's a lot of talk about, well, Fauci made predictions back in 2015. Some people say back in 2013. And Gates has said some things. And I hear that a lot. And then people point right away and say, oh, you're a theorist. You're just talking, you know, even when you show them the video, they say that, you know, you're a, you're a theorist. How can you say that? Well, there's the video. Well, it doesn't mean it's true. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the man said that. Well, uh, you know, he must have been thinking something else. 
I mean, so you get a little suspicious after a while, don't you think, people? You're kind of like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And then now when you see uh, many people, too many Americans, wow, I, I don't know what the percentage of Americans are, but I would guess it's, I, you know, in this country, anything over 50 is a big deal because we don't agree on anything, you know, basically. But um, Fauci has probably lost most uh, all credibility, I think, uh, is my guess from what I see out there. I don't know who still believes anything he's selling. He's like one of those, uh, you know, salesmen uh, selling the snake oil. What do they call that? A snake oil salesman back in the day, before my time again. But didn't, didn't they have those cats running around selling stuff out of bottles? That's kind of what, doesn't Fauci kind of remind you of that? Does me. It's like, you know, he's selling something, you know, but you don't really, it's a smoke and mirrors game, basically. But here's what I'm wondering, what I want to, again, bounce off and, and question Dr. Ely with after in the broadcast is this. Here, here's the big thing. If this was orchestrated and it was a coordinated effort, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of compelling evidence, people. You, you don't have to be theorizing much at all. Just have to look, as he has eloquently said, look at the facts and the data. I mean, you know, people, come on. It's one of those, <laughs> I could have had a V8 moment. So I mean, well, no kidding. Just look at the data and the facts. You don't have to make this stuff up. I mean, come on, you know? And, and what, what I'm really wondering is, if this was all of that, when they did that two week flatten the curve thing and we, we all tensed up, remember your anxiety when that happened? You know, it was like, wow, what are we? And it's like, well, we get to the other side of this thing. Like we've never seen anything. This was like a movie, total movie. Okay, cool. What do we do now? Just stay home? Wow. And how do we do that? And I'm wondering, Donald Trump, was he where he was the president then? And what I wonder all the time is because no one really has called him out. Why did he go along with it? He, here's what I want to ask you all. I'm going to ask Dr. Was he part of this? I, I, I know I know a lot of people say, what are you doing, Malcolm? We love Trump here. What are you saying, man? I'm not saying anything. I'm asking you a question. Was he part of it? I, I don't know. But. Why did he, or was he bamboozled? I, I'm just asking the question. Was he bamboozled or was he part of it? Did, how much did he know or not know? Even today, I wonder that. How much does Trump know? I can imagine he knows an awful lot. And as president of the United States, a lot that he cannot share with the American people. Hmm. Someday when you talk about all those UFOs flying around too, I'm starting to sound like the Alex Jones hour. I get a little nervous, people. Listen, we'll take a pause. Dr. Henry Ely will be back with us a little bit later in the program here. And we'll see you just on the other side here on The Voice of a Nation. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com Each of us is born with 30 trillion cells that make us. These cells determine how we feel, perform, sleep, focus, and how long we live. And to live our best life, all we have to do is feed our cells. But most food and supplements don't reach our cells, keeping us from reaching our full potential. Make every cell count with Healthy Cell. Founded with a mission to empower people to take control of their own health at the most fundamental level, Dr. Vincent Jampapa, world-renowned cell researcher and medical doctor, 
created supplements that work at the cellular level to boost immune health, sleep better, focus deeper, and stay younger longer. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of any product. And that's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L. And use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. AmericaOutloud.com. Simply put, we're patriots who believe in Ronald Reagan's vision of a shining city on a hill. From sea to shining sea, you can listen in on iHeartRadio. Our free apps are on Apple, Android, or Alexa, or our world-class media player. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Well, the big question I pose to you is how to restore public trust after COVID. Is it is it even doable? I mean, is that a reasonable goal and how do we get there? We've been talking to Dr. Henry Ely throughout the program. He'll be back with us in just a little bit as we continue on tonight. Of course, through that zinger at him about Trump. And we'll get back to that in a moment. But on this public trust issue, I mean, when you look at the overwhelming evidence and you look at these organizations that we're talking about, and, you know, it's indisputable, the, the, the facts and the data that uh, Dr. Henry Ely has here. And you talk about the FDA and the CDC, you have to begin to question what are the motives here? I mean, one of the most egregious parts of all of this is the effective treatments that have been available, the early treatments. I mean, think about this. If, you know, if you get COVID and you get the right meds early on, now I'm speaking from experience because uh, as some of you probably know, I've had it. I've had it on right away. I got the proper meds, the treatment, the, the early treatment is the key to this thing. And I'm, uh, yes, I'm talking HCQ, hydroxychloroquine, uh, ivermectin, uh, the vitamin D and the A and the magnesium. And there's a whole host, it's a regimen of, uh, of, of medications that you want to get in your system. When that happens, it is absolutely treatable. And as you know, and as we, we said, I mean, this was always about, uh, you know, your health and well-being and your immune system. It was always about, uh, uh, you know, you, you having a chance to fight this thing. But, you know, like any virus or any flu, I mean, there are people who die from flu every year, just the regular flu. And these viruses, so that does happen. But this was put under a microscope. And then they they jostled people with lying. I mean, we we just said that with Dr. Ely. They lied about the numbers and they lied about the information. That's what took place here. And and therefore, uh, you know, all of these untruths started to build. And so when you talk about public trust and you say, well, how do we get there? And, you know, it's a tall order. Now, I asked that to Dr. Ely. He thinks it's probably doable. And, it, and, it, and you know, I, I would almost... Uh, disagree with that initially, but I, I think he probably has a, a valid point. And the reason I'm going to give him that probably is because Americans have short memories. 
People have short memories. You know, you really forget the point of pain. And a lot of people do. Think about it. Even yourself, when you're at those low points of life, you, you tend to forget them and leave them behind. And, you know, down the road, you don't remember that so much. And that's how it is in our country. We forget and we, we probably uh, forget too easy and we forgive too easy when it comes to a lot of the uh, inefficiencies and a lot of the criminal aspect of our politically elite in what takes place. In other words, we're not holding people responsible. We're simply not. And we haven't been doing that. And they know it as well. They know that all they have to do is buy some time. They all know it on both sides of the aisle, people. So one of the takeaways here is we have short memories and we're not following up on things that need to be followed up on. Now, when we come through something like this pandemic and we look at all the egregious things that have happened, I mean, it's safe to say that, you know, how much of this is going to be, you know, memorialized and how much will we remember of this, you know, uh, a year from now and five years from now? Probably not. It'll be old news by then. And then what's the, the real outcome is the, the thieves got away with it all. I mean, the, the thieves got away with it all, or they got away with the bank robbers. So now, now's the point where we've got to move on all this and we have to inform America as to what has taken place here. So, I mean, the only way we're going to restore public trust is you've got to get to the moment of truth. The challenge we're going to have in front of us is how do you get to that moment of truth when they're in denial? Speaking of the FDA, the CDC, government officials, you know, and, and that's that came out. Some of that came out when Dr. Ely, uh, you might have heard him say, admit mistakes were made. So I said, well, how, how do we restore trust? I asked him the question. He said, well, we have to admit, number one, admit mistakes were made. So here's what I ask you. Who's going to admit that mistakes were made? Who? who who's going to admit that exactly? I don't see anything in it. Do you, do you see a press conference where the CDC comes out and says, well, we, we screwed up? You know, well, they would, probably wouldn't say it quite that way, although I'd, I'd pay money to sit in that audience to have the... The, 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 them come out and say the executives and officials come on and say, well, we, we screwed up. I'd, I'd pay for that. Definitely. That's a, that's a paid admission kind of thing, but you know, it's not going to happen. Never. Even when they know they screwed up, they're not going to admit it. They're going to deny, 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 and they'll point at something else or put some reason out there because they know once they do that, their credibility is gone and their credibility is already gone with the American people. So as, as the cases with government in general, and the reason Americans don't believe government is because when you look at all the government agencies, they all lie like hell. I mean, there's no truth with any of them. When's the last time you left a conference or a meeting from any of these groups, FBI, CIA, DOJ, any of them, where you left some sort of a public meeting and you thought, wow, I feel pretty good. I mean, that, that was a solid interchange we had with the director there. And that went really well. You're, you're not going to get that from a Christopher Ray. You think you're going to get that from a Gina Haspel? You're not going to get that from any of these clowns because they just lost. Like, call me. When did he ever tell the truth? You see, they just keep digging the hole deeper and deeper and deeper, which is sort of what I was leaning at when I asked Dr. Henry Ely about this up front. Do you think maybe this thing got out of whack? 
and they it start the hole started getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they didn't know how to get out of it yeah he kind of thought i was maybe giving the whole thing a pass but i really wasn't and i understand it a lot of it does appear to be coordinated and i get that part of it but i bring it back to how much did our president know i think early on it was a legitimate scare tactic i think everybody legitimate concern it became more of a scare tactic rather but you know the initial part of the pandemic was it real was it a public health emergency was one of the questions that dr henry ely asked and well early 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 on probably the answer was yes now did it call for that sort of a lockdown to flatten the curve absolutely a hundred percent no should have never happened why did trump order that shouldn't have happened if that was now, and, and I got to tell you, and this is where I'll call a lot of you out on this. If that was President Biden doing that or President Obama doing that, you would all call them on the mountaintops and call them all kinds of names for doing that. But obviously, because Trump ordered it, you you've given it a pass. I, am I making any sense? Yeah, I hit a nerve. Now, let me explore that a little further with you. I, I think. Trump, there were a lot of unknowns. I don't think the president had his hand on all of the facts and the points. I think he was in the moment of emotion. There were a lot of human emotions back then at that moment. And uh, so I accept some of that. In other words, here's, here's the best way I would say it to you. If you had asked the president, would he make the same decision again with the information he had at that moment, he probably would say yes. And I accept that. Now, if you asked him, would you make that decision based on what you know today? That's a different question. That's a different set of circumstances, you see. At that point, I would expect him to say, no, I would not. And I think if I, if I get the opportunity to interview former President Trump, I, I would ask him that. I would ask him that series of questions I just posed to you. And I'm, I'm betting he might say that. And, and, and I'm willing to go there because I think it's a reasonable series of questions. Would you make the same thing based on all the evidence being the same? Yes. And, and I think that's a, fair, that's a fair question. That's a fair answer. That's an assessment that makes sense, people. But if I'm asking him, Again, would you make that, because that was a big, huge decision. People, that's what started making our small business community plummet, our, our economy plummet, jobs, everything, lockdown. I mean, people's fear factor went through. I mean, if the government's locking stuff down, well, we, we got a major, if, I mean, that just put fear. That made fear the biggest four-letter word you ever heard in your life right there. You see, that, that's what it did. I mean, if the government was going to that point or that level uh, of uh, of crisis, then it's it's clear to say that people were genuinely concerned. But if the president had all the information in today's world, then would he still make the same decision? I think the answer would be no. I don't think he would lock it down. In fact, I bet he regrets locking down the country. I, I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet he would change that. I think he would. I know I would. Absolutely. But having said that, now the other question becomes, how many of those people around Trump that was like the Fauci, fake Fauci, 
and Burks and all the other clowns, Redfield, on the, uh, all these top executives in these org- and the teams of people we didn't see. You know, when he used to come out in those press conferences, I always thought about how many people are behind the door. Well, there was a whole swarm of people back there, my friends. Just because we didn't see them on the camera, you know, they, they, as it is, they had a whole bunch of people out there in the front. But there were a lot of people behind the scenes on this thing. Believe me, there were a lot of experts, a lot of officials, a lot of bureaucrats calling the shots. You know, in fact, I see a report the other day, by the way, I want to share with you. This was hysterical. Trump, uh, uh, I don't have his exact words in front of me, but he came right out and said that uh, uh, he, he did the direct. In fact, I remember what he said. He said uh, that he, he, did, he would do the direct opposite. In fact, he did, he said the direct opposite of a lot of things, almost all the things that Fauci recommended, he would do the opposite. And he actually said that. I, I'm not making that up. You'll, you'll see that out there. I know I seen it on the, on the wire with one of the news reports where he actually said that. And, and I, I, uh, I, I believe that's the case. In other words, he didn't have a lot of trust and confidence. And I think that distrust started to grow more and more after that lockdown, when he couldn't get his arms around the crisis anymore because the fear had taken over and people were running around cocoa for cocoa puffs, you see? They, they had lost it all. And that's when fear set in and pandemic fever and people, and there were, you know, HCQ and early treatment out the window and, you know, how we measure the deaths out the window and all of this stuff was gone. Any semblance of order was gone. There was no audit in anything. Everybody was in denial because they all played the blame game. That's not me. So what I referenced early on is they keep digging a deeper and deeper hole. And I think that's what happened. And I think government did that as a whole, my, my friends. I really believe so. So I think a lot of it wasn't really what it was designed for up front. Now, I'm not discounting the fact that there was a calculated deal over here somewhere. And I don't have my hands all on that. No, nobody does. Nobody does. Nobody. I, do. I don't know whether we'll ever see the, the likes of, of day of whether we'll ever really see the truth or know the truth. It's hard to know people. It really, really is hard to know whether we'll ever understand the God's honest truth of what took place. But as Dr. Ely says, we got to follow the data we got to follow the information here. And he was very measured in, I really like him and his approach to this because, you know, I, now I don't know what he'll say about the Trump thing that I just threw at him. We're going to, he's going to rejoin us in just a few minutes here. I don't know what he'll say about that. Um, you know, but I'm telling you what I believe my truth is on it. And I've given that to you. I, I don't think it's about being guilty. I'm not suggesting that. I think based on the information he had, he made what he thought was the right decision. And I think that's how Trump operated all the way across the board. Remember, he's, a, he's not a politician. Doesn't play those games. He, he didn't play those games on Twitter either. He put it out there to the likes of why so many bureaucrats were having heart attacks every minute of the day. Well, he, did he say that? Well, yeah, he said that. Why? Well, because he was thinking it. You know, Trump, in a lot of ways, did out loud politics the way I do here with Out Loud with you on the radio. He does the same thing there, out loud politics. There's something to be said about being honest and truthful about all of this. It doesn't say we have all the answers, but it does say we're willing to ask the question. And 
we're willing to call somebody out. And that, my friends, is a measurement of truth that you're not going to hear everywhere. And that's the one thing I will say to you as a patriot myself, I miss about the Trump administration. Because very uniquely, my fellow Americans, they wore their heart on their sleeves. Absolutely, 100%. And I don't have any wool being pulled over my eyes at all. I speak the gospel truth here, what the facts and the data tell me to speak. That is my truth today here on Hour One. We're going to have Dr. Henry Ely back on with us in just moments here in Hour Two, and we'll begin to peel this thing again. He was on fire, and I think you're going to hear a lot more from him now because once you get to know somebody like that, he loosens up a little bit more. I, I'm, I, I'm suspect that he's going to... Uh, really deliver some very interesting uh, details ahead here. He's got some extensive information he and his team do in these reports. And, you know, to spend, uh, my golly, more than 20,000 hours on anything is, uh, is, a, is a commitment. It's, it's a commitment to the truth. And I think that's what this group has here. So I applaud them absolutely there. So listen, we'll take a quick pause here. We'll be back an hour or two in just a moment. And again, friends, as always, thank you for being on the mission. It's time. Get involved. Get loud. The heart and soul of a nation beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor, 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 our soul, soul. the challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Well, welcome back to Hour 2 of The Voice of a Nation. This is Malcolm Out Loud, yours truly. Thank you for being with me on the mission, my fellow Americans. It's always uh, great to have you here with us. Now, remember, every day we come at you on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can hear us on iHeartRadio uh, Network. You can, uh, our apps are a terrific place to be, uh, Apple, Android, or Alexa. The apps are free. Uh, you can hear talk radio on it's it, they're the apps are great because they work you know that's always been the the deal with them uh, but you can get all that back at americaoutloud.com we also have a world class media player there are many ways to hear america out loud talk radio and all of our shows go to podcast as you know and within a day or so of the broadcast on talk radio you can get this broadcast on demand and we ask you kindly then to share it around the world, share it with your friends and family and let them know, by golly, the truth is alive and well somewhere. <laughs> Somebody, they're reporting some facts somewhere. That's a news bulletin in itself, isn't it? I mean, really it is, but we are exactly doing that here on the voice of a nation here on America Out Loud. So, well, again, we are talking here today about restoring public trust after COVID. I don't know. I mean, listen, I could take that phrase and I could do a lot of things. I could say restoring public trust after Robert Mueller. I'd say restoring public trust after the letdown of the DOJ. Restoring public trust. You know, you can you see where I'm at. There, there's so much happening in our world right now. 
I don't know. I asked Dr. Ely, do you, you know, how do you restore public trust? He, he thinks it's possible. I'm not totally convinced. I think, although we do have short memories now, maybe, maybe we can do it because people forget easy here in this country. We don't hold people to the fire for nothing. Pro probably in a couple of weeks, this will be in the rearview mirror and people go back to their lives and forget the pandemic ever happened. In the meantime, they all got rich, happy and fat there, as we talked about, and we lost more liberties in the process. So it looks like the gig was a success. Huh. I guess for those people who are out to do whatever they're doing here. So it's very disturbing what's happening here. Uh, so listen, I asked a question back when Dr. Henry Ely was on a little bit earlier, and I'm, I'm going to bring him back right now with us. And, and, and I wasn't trying to be a smart guy. I, I, I really think about these things all the time. I'm, I'm a practical thinker, basically. And I'm wondering, was Trump in on some of that or not? Because I know we have a big Trump fan club here. And I, I'm just asking, or, or was he bamboozled? with the Fauci's and the, uh, what's that other one? Burks, was it? Burks, the, the, the lady who was with them. They were like frickin' frack, remember? Burks and Fauci, Fauci and Burks, right? Then you also had all the other organizations. Remember that other guy with the bald fellow, uh, the big fellow? Uh, he was with the other group there. There's so many of them. You know, it's an alphabet soup. It's easy to get lost in that group. Anyways, here's Dr. Henry Ely is back with us again. He's the founder, executive community director of the Energetic Health Institute. He's done extensive work now. He's the lead author on five research papers on COVID-19. If you heard him up front in the broadcast, I'm sure you were impressed with the numbers and the facts and the data that he has. Uh, and, you know, he said, we'll, we'll get into some of the things he said in just a moment. I made a few notes here, but I want to go right to Dr. Ely right now and ask him, all right, now, listen, I'm, I'm buying the fact that a lot of this seems to be or feels like it was uh, somewhat coordinated, I guess. Again, I, I'm, a sus I'm suspicious as a journalist, but I really like to cross the T's and dot the I's. And I get the sense you do too, actually, because you've mentioned multiple times now about the data points. So that kind of has impressed me. So you're not just shouting out, uh, you know, um, uh, theories and thoughts and what have you. So back to this point, though, I'm thinking when we had the whole two-week flatten the curve and, 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 and Trump bit the bullet and ordered the country to be locked down, how much did he really know? Because you're right early on when we asked the question, was this a public health emergency? Everybody thought it was at that moment because there were so many unknowns. We simply did not know. I wonder a lot today, now that we know how calculated a lot of this stuff was, what do you think? Does he have some hand in this? Your gut feeling is? I know that's just probably a question you probably don't want to answer, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Do, do you think he has some any responsibility in this? Because I, I kind of... I'm a little upset he locked the whole thing down and played with these people. Uh, I don't know. What do you think? Well, uh, a, a couple of thoughts. Um, number one is that uh, I'm only going to speak on what I can absolutely prove. We have rules on our, our research team. Uh, be kind, be accurate, and don't place yourself above the mission. The mission is truth, right? So we, we follow those um, empirically. Uh, I, I think the second thing I lean on is what I teach my students, and that is don't guess when you can know. Uh, it's very easy to get seduced into speculation, to uh, wonder uh, what somebody knew or what somebody didn't. Well, we have the ability through grand jury action to subpoena all records and not have to guess. We can know definitively. Uh, I can tell your audience that we made every effort to advise um, the administration last year on what was going on when we, as we became aware of it through back channels. 
uh, and those, um, and I actually sent several executive summaries to um, the president and uh, we didn't receive any responses on them. So, so there's no confirmation as to whether or not he saw them or not. You're speaking of the Trump admin now, not Biden, correct. right? Okay. Correct. Yes, correct, sir. Have you tried to send anything to Biden's group? Uh, no, I, I won't. Um, okay. I, I have uh, grave concerns about that uh, administ- this, this current so-called administration. <clears throat> so um, with that being said, um, you know, I, I think if we take on the ethos of we don't have to guess and speculate, we can know. Um, I think the the onus is on us, and we've launched a campaign through Stand for Health Freedom uh, to call for a grand jury investigation into this, and and say you know, and, and this could happen in any state could could launch this and say, hey, we have as a grand jury uh, the ability to subpoena all records from any federal agency. That's the enormous power of the grand jury to get this information, uh, make that information public domain, public record, and allow attorneys and, and scientists and research scientists and, and investigators and, uh, such as yourself, Malcolm, to, to mm-hmm. read and formulate our own thoughts and know who, who knew what and, and who didn't and was this orchestrated. And I can tell you, it sure seems that way to me when you mm-hmm. start reading about uh, Dr. Stephen Quay's work and the origins of... Uh, uh, of this uh, virus, the RAT-G13 that was placed in 2015 in the International uh, Virology Database and really without having any substantial proof that it came from bat poop, um, that it looked like it looked like this has been, it looks like when you start putting the pieces together, this has been in brewing uh, for quite some time. It's not an accident that um, uh, Dr. Ferguson from the Imperial College of London was funded by the Bill and, Lace, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to produce a ridiculous estimate of 2.2 million um, uh, people would die by this by a certain time. It's not an accident that the Mil- Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation funded the IHME group at uh, Washington University that's curiously not affiliated with Washington University, even though if you want to donate to them, you have to pay Washington University to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has funded them to the tune of $374 million, and that's the organization that was producing all the projections of how horrible this was going to mm-hmm. be, that, that all of the governors and even the federal government put up. So where did those, where did that wasn't data? That was those were forecasted. Now let's stay ideas. here a moment. Let, now you've got my curiosity. Stay right here, please, with me. The proje- let's try, let's stay on those projection models, okay? All right, mm-hmm. for a yeah. moment here. I, I love what you just uh, exposed and said to folks here. And you know, coincidentally, Doctor Ely, uh, you, I didn't know you were going there, but I'm, I'm very pleased to know. In the last oh, week or two, I have received some very interesting uh, damning information about the Gates Foundation and Bill Gates that I've not shared yet with folks or listeners. I, we're, uh, my producers are putting it together. We plan to do a program next week on this. I, I, I may just have you back for a little bit on that one, but we've got some... Uh, 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 very interesting folks we're going to have in on that pro- broadcast, but it really is, we're going to take a dive on Gates. Now, you just said some interesting things about the projection models. Now, I was wondering that. Here's the thing. Back to the whole flatten the curve thing, and you're right. It was north of 2 million people would die in the United States immediately if we didn't flatten this curve, and everybody had to go along with it, and everybody had to do this, that, and the other thing, as I remember that. And so I... I 
you know, it, you, you, and, you know, I forgot about that till you just mentioned it. So help me understand now the, when we talk about Gates and these projection models, let's, you know, these projection models were so far in the Looney Tune stage. They made no sense as I look back now. And I remember at the time reporting on this, which is why I can confidently say what I'm saying right now. And this is unsettling to me how we fell for all this. And then when you take what, what we're talking about right now, Dr. Ely, and you combine it with what we talked about earlier with the forging of the death certificates and the money game, now you say, my golly, this, these can't all be coincidences, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's it it's if it's a coincidence, it's the greatest coincidence ever in human history, and the statistical probability has to be beyond like under zero point zero 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 one percent of happening all in concert with no connectivity. Um, you know, when when we look at this, it's not an accident that Peter Daszak with the Echo Health Alliance is involved in the placement of the Rat G thirteen sample into the international. A virology database in 2015, right? It's not an accident that he's magically on both committees, uh, at one at the World Health Organization, one in the United Kingdom, that's uh, looking into whether or not this was lab origin or zoonotic, meaning it came from the bat soup theory, right? And of course, it's not an accident that um, what he and his teams have produced um, uh, in, in their, their thorough analysis of where this came from, um, it's not an accident that they exonerate uh, any gain of function study or anything like that. I think it's preposterous uh, that this guy is, seems to be centered in, in, in this. Um, I think when we look at, at uh, Dr. Fauci, same issue, you know, he's, he's everywhere. Why is this one voice everywhere? Why are we not having multitudes of voices? Why can't we get him into an open public debate with some people uh, who see things differently, like Dr. Peter McCullough? Why can't we get um, this guy? You're talking about Fauci now? Fauci, Fauci absolutely. Well, why, Rand, why Paul, Rand Paul goes after him all the time, the senator, right? He's the, he's the only one. Why, yeah. isn't, why, why, can't we, why can't we have a forum with Dr. Fauci, Dr. Dr. Burks, if she's still around, and, <laughs> and, you know, and, and Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Reich, you know, these, uh, Dr. John Ioannidis, these respected yeah. high-level yeah. doctors, right. published researchers, and, and say, look, let's really discuss the, what's in literature right now and share that with the American people on an open town hall, a country, a, you know, a, a nationwide town hall. So we can see here's our evidence. Here's their evidence. America, you have a right to decide for yourself. Where is that? You know, um, so I, I think when we, we look at this situation, Malcolm, um, you know, there is a narrative that's been going on very clearly. It's very fear-based. I, I ask a simple question. We got to keep things simple. Mm -hmm. If you can publish, you know, um, aggregated, you know, um, death counts every day and put that in people's faces every day, no matter where they go, why can't you publish the recovery numbers? Because the recovery numbers from Americans without any significant help or, and this is pre- um, pre-injection, uh, um, pre-experimental uh, injection, pre-experimental vaccine is uh, over 30 million, at least if you believe the data is accurate. So when you start comparatively looking at that, okay, over 30 million recoveries versus at that time uh, that I'm quoting, uh, roughly about 350,000 deaths. 
I think that doesn't statistically sound like an emergency to me, especially when you understand the age demographic of breakdown, where were they, how old were these people when they're dying? Over 75% had reached normal life expectancy. And what was their pre-existing health status prior to death? 4.0 on average um, comorbidities. These people were already in a pretty poor state of health. And that's not to say that their passing isn't sad. We have compassion mm -hmm. for them that's and their right. families. That's it's right. just saying we have to get to accurate information to make decisions because this one size fits all, trust us, because I said so, public health that's mantra right. is that's not right. going to work for us as a country. It's, it's a complete trampling on our, mm -hmm. our civil liberties. And I, right. I'm not going to stand for that. You know, the comorbidities you talk about right there, I wondered when they had the, all these series of lockdowns going on and a lot of the uh, little uh, Marxist mayors and governors who in many of the blue states uh, tormented their citizens mm -hmm. and still are today with violations and destroying our small business community and all the things that have happened, which have really irritated uh, me, me and many Americans. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you, let me ask you this simple question. When you have this sort of a health crisis or whatever, I mean, I've never heard of anything in my life, and, and correct me on this, please, if I'm, if I'm wrong, but it, it, this is just me. I've never heard of anything in my life, doctor, that where you go ahead and you lock down healthy people for whatever reason. I mean, to me, the logic was always, even back to that initial press conference back there early in the pandemic with the two week flatten the curve thing. It's like, why wouldn't you be locking down the people that are at high risk, the people with comorbidities, that sort of thing, the people that are, you know, to protect our people that are not as well and the people that are really elderly and that sort of thing, but the working class and the people who are healthy who have good immune systems, why in, in heaven's sake would we be locking all them down? What do you say to that? Well, that was uh, a point that Dr. John Ioannidis made out of uh, Stanford University uh, in, in uh, March and April last year, that, that we need to make sure that the healthy people are out because they're going to allow for reemergence and establish community immunity um, through their exposures. Right. How are we ever going to get herd immunity if we lock everybody up? I mean, right, right. it's crazy. Right. So um, I, I think that what's really, really important uh, with this is to say, you know, the public health policy approach has been an abject failure. You know, I've been working, my team has been working very hard to issue, uh, to, to work with any um, county, any uh, state level uh, health department to issue nutritional guidance because we know that when people are taking things like vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin A, zinc, uh, that their natural adaptive immunity is primed to deal with anything, let alone a SARS-CoV-2 virus. And we know that when people have 55 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D in their bloodstream, that their recovery from an infection is a virtual certainty. So we, we, there are certain things. So it, when you're 14 months into this and that guidance still isn't being issued, you have to ask the question why, especially when you've been banging the drum like we have. Uh, it's not like they don't know. It's that they're choosing not to know. They're choosing not to issue it. And that brings up another question. Is this willful misconduct? Are you intentionally withholding evidence-based treatments from hundreds of millions of Americans, keeping them in fear and leading them to believe that there's only one solution uh, to, this, to this problem? 
And, and that, the answer for me, I think back to the Tuskegee experiment, it was wrong back then to withhold evidence-based treatments for penicillin from 600 men, well, really 399 men and their families. Um, well, that's true today. It's, if, that, if it's wrong to withhold treatments in 19, for, uh, you know, for 29 years um, in, in the middle portion of the 1900s in this country, then it's still wrong today to do that. And we get down to a simple question of, is what we're doing right or wrong? If what you're doing with information and data is sharing that information openly, transparency, creating conversations, debating, allowing people to disagree, it's okay to disagree, then in my opinion, that's right. Because you're, what you're saying to the American people is we're going to present you information, different ideas, and give you the right to exercise your freedom to decide what's best for you and your families. I'm all on board with that. But if what you're going to do instead is to engage in a cancel culture, censorship, suppression of, uh, of scientific information and ideas, suppression of scientific conversation, suppression of, of uh, treatments, evidence-based treatments um, at, from American people, then that starts to broach into willful misconduct, particularly when you look, in my opinion, Malcolm, at this whole public health policy failure of the last 14 months that has been based upon an unproven theory of asymptomatic transmission. The only reason that they, they were able to sell wearing masks to hundreds of millions of people in this country and billions of people throughout the world is that they've bought, they let, they led everybody to believe that asymptomatic transmission is possible, that you could have this virus, have no symptoms and transmit it to someone you love yep. that is yep. compromised. Yep. Well, guess how many, guess, guess what? We found a study in Wuhan in November, Malcolm, this is going to blow your mind. Okay. We found a study because I, I, I had an issue with this from day one. I, I'm, a, again, a prove it person. Prove to me that you can make such a bold statement on this with this because that this is not how any infectious disease process works. Mm -hmm. Symptoms let you know you're infectious. That's that's how it always works. So I, I so we looked at this study. Almost 10 million people tested in this study, Malcolm. They look they found approximately 300 possible asymptomatic transmitters. They went and did a second and third battery of tests on them checking for antibodies and the ability to create replication competent virus. Out of those 300 people, exactly zero of them were they able to produce replication competent virus. There was exactly a 0.0000000% chance of asymptomatic transmission in 10 million people. And guess where this study was conducted? In Wuhan at the epicenter. And guess what? It was peer reviewed by an American journal, nature.com. And when this came out, it blew the lid on this. And so what did the CDC do? They funded studies that were based on, again, Malcolm, projection models published them in JAMA to show that mm -hmm. now, well, asymptomatic in this country is about 59%. There were no enrolled participants in those studies. Mm -hmm. And so that has to- When did that happen? Flag. When did that happen? Uh, that was, I believe, February. The JAMA one comes out, I believe, in February. February of, of this year. Of this year, yes. So that says a lot, what you just said right there, the asymptomatic spread. So what they lied then. They lied. It, it when somebody, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Maya Angelou, and uh, she had a great quote, when people show you who they are, believe them the first time. Yes, in my professional opinion, mm. they have lied. And, and this is the most egregious of lies, because this single lie, asymptomatic transmission, mm -hmm. is the lie that 
creates this framework for all public health policies, all destruction. To me, Malcolm, and I mean this significantly, I'm on the side of every parent who lost a child due to suicide. I'm on the side of every uh, person who lost a loved one who had to die alone. I'm on the side of every person who lost their family business or their home. I'm I'm on their side. So when you when you crush these people based upon lies, we have a problem. You know, uh, I, your passion right there is just, uh, thank you for that. Uh, it just reminds us all the importance that the human element of everything we're talking about is significant. It's no laughing matter here. And you remind me of that right there. There sincerely were a lot of people who died and I believe a lot of people died unnecessarily from this. And it was because of the, the uh, well, the horrible situation of the censoring of all this early treatment uh, that was going on, the successful uh, metrics of ivermectin, uh, hydroxychloroquine, uh, the, the zinc, the, uh, uh, the, the, the vitamin D, the, all the things, this regimen that uh, certainly Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Harvey Rischke, who've been on my program here, and of course, Dr. McCullough's on our network and his show and write-ins, uh, but I've had them all on. And, you know, this is a fact, and, and this was all held back. And, you know, it's remarkable. What do you... Let me now we're let me ask you that we're getting to a very interesting point here now, because really what we're talking about with with them holding back. So, all right, they're holding back vital information that saves lives over here. The media is calling everybody that they're on a witch hunt. If you talk about anything about it, mm-hmm. the social media oligarchs are censoring you. The YouTube is pulling all the videos off. They're locking everything down. You can't talk about it. They're they're uh, canceling doctors and M.D.'s who are, don't go along with the gig. Uh, I know, cause I've got them on the platform. Dr. Stephen LaTulip out of Oregon uh, was uh, totally canceled and blocked and is suing, uh, probably get to the Supreme Court with that case uh, with the governor out there, Brown, Gabe Brown. And uh, so all of this is messy. You have all of that. I mean, don't these people, isn't this murder? I mean, isn't this some sort of, I mean, is this legal? Uh, is it is it legal? Um, that's going to be for the courts to decide. And, and I have to because I'm you know, our, our, our work is presented in a number of cases. I have to be mindful of that. But I think the question that you're alluding to that I really like here, Malcolm, is, is it right? You know, um, we there is a basis of, of ethics that we have in this country, a basic agreement we have as a as a people of doing what's right. And when we look at the rampant number of lies, falsehoods, uh, cancel culture, censorship, um, outright terrorism. I mean, it it is terrorism. You have to understand most doctors, we take an oath and we take our oath very seriously. And now you're telling me FDA that I know something that can help someone, whether it's ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or vitamin D or and, and vitamin C, and, and maybe it's in, in infusions, you know, whether you're telling me that I have to pretend I don't know something and I have to tell a person in need that I can't help them um, because, mm-hmm. because you are uncomfortable with the evidence around this. It, it, it's, 
it, it, we're in it. We were, if this is really a pandemic, it's supposed to be all hands on deck. Yeah. yeah. And all hands on deck means that we are going to look for what we're going to let everybody do their thing. And we're going to put our heads together and work mm -hmm. together. And what we're going to come up with is what are the things that are really working? And, and within four to six weeks, we should be able to have that very definitively what's working and then you do something very revolutionary you represent that information to the patient and the patient's family who should be bedside with that patient if they want to be and you give them the opportunity to decide for themselves the course of action that they want to take people have rights people don't know this very much but the american medical association on down to every major medical association uh, advocates for what is called a patient bill of rights which means a patient has a right to accept treatment refuse treatment ask as many questions as they want seek second opinions and so forth because the person at the at the head of the decision making table when it comes to medical decisions is not a person in a white mm -hmm. coat is not the fda is not the cdc it's the person who has to live with the outcome of those decisions and that mm -hmm. is the patient and the patient's family and that's something we've gotten away from and it, it's something that dr mccullough talks about a lot and i love when he speaks about this we've gotten away from compassionate care in medicine mm -hmm. and we better get back to it and get back to it like tomorrow yeah, you, I have to tell you, you are so, and this is just the truth. I want to let you are so impressive. Uh, you, you really are <clears throat> impressive. And it must be said, uh, your demeanor and how you present information uh, and your, the course you're on and not just with the facts and the data, but your compassion with all of it cannot be missed. I love, um, I mean, everything about this, your tone, uh, your approach, uh, you're not reckless. Uh, I've tried to get you to bite the apple a couple of times. You didn't do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, but uh, anyways, uh, I have no problem with it. But either way, I, I want to read you in your paper there, your, your last paper you published on COVID. You say this to your point, the I asked you about, well, I said the word murder. And I said, uh, you know, uh, it was pretty out there, obviously, out loud style. But I, I questioned, you know, uh, is this lawful? I mean, well, of course, it's not really lawful. Now, you say in your paper, number four in your, I believe, I think it's number four, if I remember, but violations of federal law. And again, this is where you're always careful, and I and I, and I support this what you do here because you say appear. <clears throat> so yeah, that's what you, you that's being honest. Violations of federal law appear to have been perpetrated perpetrated by the mm -hmm. CDC with respect to death certificates, which we talked about, irrevocably altering COVID nineteen mortality metrics and causing unnecessary harm to the American public. So if you combine that, which we've discussed all that, combined with the holding back of these effective early treatments, mm -hmm. and then the games that are being played, I mean, you've got to come away from this understanding. And here's another statement I'll make, which I, I, I'd like you to touch on, but I, I have a bad feeling that, and, and I don't like saying this, by the way, but the FDA and the CDC are not on our side. Mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason, the, these agencies have, I guess I would say to you, the word I would use, Dr. Ely, is it appears to me they've gone rogue. They, they, they've gone rogue. Is that an a, a assessment that, that you've come up with as well? Or? 
Yeah, we, me and my team, we share that assessment of the, the appearances that they've gone rogue. And, and here's the thing. The, when a agency, a federal agency is going to change how they collect data, how they report data, how they analyze data, they're required by federal law to put that into the federal register to make the public aware that, hey, you have 60 days to comment on this. But also what that does is it launches federal oversight by another um, office, the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. So when they don't put that in, and the CDC has put in like 16,000 um, records into the federal register over the years, right? So it's some ridiculous number. So it's not like they're not aware of this. Every federal agency is aware of this and has to publish their obligation to do this on their, on their website, right? And the CDC is no different. So when they don't do that, that gives you insight as to, well, why wouldn't you do that if you knew you had to do it? Why wouldn't you do it? Well, because it was an emergency. No, 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 no. There's nothing in there that says an emergency exempts you from, from doing this. There is no federal law that says, because this is a supposed emergency, you don't have to still follow federal law. You don't get to pick and choose when you follow federal laws. You have to follow the law. That's why we have laws. What's the purpose of having a law if we don't have to follow it? If, if, if agencies and heads of agencies and people within them don't have to follow it, it's just the appearance of, of law and order. And we, we, we can't live in those illusions. We can't live in the illusion of, of safety. And we can't live in the illusion of, of, of good. And we can't live in the illusion. Uh, uh, in these illusions that are being uh, created, we, we're not going to be able to exist as a country in them. And what's so important to me is that we pierce through these illusions. And how do we do that? By being objective. I'm not, I don't care who you vote for or voted for. In the I really do not. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care if you sleep with. I don't care about that. I care Amen. that we are kind to each other and that we seek the truth as a society in everything we do because that's what's going to make sure we maintain the freedoms that people who sacrificed their lives for us gave to us. It's our obligation to make sure we give those same freedoms to our children. Wow. That is Dr. Henry Ely you're listening to right there. Wow. What a testimony, my friends. I mean, wow. wow. Again, he's the founder and executive community director of the Energetic Health Institute. Uh, he, this first time we talked, uh, I can assure you this, it will not be the last. <laughs> he will not be a stranger here at all. Um, like everything about this guy. I mean, I think you out there can hear the same thing. It's hard. You don't often hear that level of compassion and the level of truth and sincerity. And, and there's something about that that is so attractive, people. I mean, yeah, you hear it from a Dr. Peter McCullough, for sure. Uh, absolutely. Dr. Heverius. But these are the class of the class. He even said that a moment ago. Dr. Ely said, this is the creme de la creme. You, you follow me? You know, these are the people who really are really should be leading the charge. Imagine how different this would have been if Dr. Peter McCullough was ahead of this up at those daily press conferences with Trump back in the day. Can you imagine the difference we would be at if it wasn't a fraud Fauci, if it, if it was instead uh, Dr. McCullough? Uh, can you imagine that? Uh, or Dr. Ely here, who you're speaking to right now, uh, we're talking to, or, you know, the point is that, you know, th this can all and would have made a, a big difference in the outcomes of what we're experiencing. Um, the papers and the work that Dr. Ely and his team have done are 
extensive. I mean, they will blow your mind, uh, the, the level of work he's done. Many of the links and the things that he wants me to, that he allows me to, I will put in the post, I, I promise you, when this goes to podcast, okay? All right? So the links of the various information that he wants you to know, I will make sure that they're in this post on America Out Loud when this program that you're listening to is on podcast, okay? All right. And if you listen to this on podcast, just go to America Out Loud, look up the voice of the nation and go get this show. It'd be easy to catch because I'm going to keep the name exactly what he's restoring public trust. Uh, It's going to definitely be called restoring public trust. We may change up. I'm going to call it after COVID, though, restoring public trust after COVID, because that's really the. Uh, that to me is the the $20,000 question I'm wondering. How does that really work? One of the papers he did was restoring public trust during a global health crisis. I have to believe or hope that we're getting towards some sort of that end of that crisis, I hope. By golly, I just want to get off the miracle round, people. I, I don't want to keep playing this game anymore. I didn't. I never played the game. I didn't do the mask thing in the restaurants and stuff. The, you know how many stores and restaurants I walked out of without a mask? I, you know, you, you listeners, you heard me talk plenty, talk to you. I, I just didn't give them my business. There was one night I had my two teenagers with me. We went to five restaurants before we had a reservation at the first one. They, they demanded a mask to walk to the table. I said, I'm not playing this game. Not wearing a mask to walk to the table. You're out of your mind. What do you think? Oh, come on, you know. And and I and I went to four restaurants that night and finally found the fifth one. Cute little spot on the water. I said, "We'll take that. Thank you very much." You're not doing that mask thing, are you? No, not at all, sir. Come on in. Oh, you're my kind of people. Yes, it's a happy hour here. Thank you very much. Yes, sit down. Be quiet. Have your dinner. Hmm, I like that. I had no problem with that, but I'm not going to be told what to do and how to do it. Absolutely not. So there's a lot to say about all of this, people. But, you know, it's a question you have to ask. Can we restore public trust? Now, so again, Dr. Henry Ely, uh, I am so pleased to have, and he was so, um, uh, I mean, we're privileged to hear him here today, but he, he was so uh, uh, awesome with his time, his commitment here, and generous is the word I'm looking for, generous uh, with his time. And he is a commitment to get the out loud truth out. So I need your help to make sure we push that out there after this gets on podcast, okay? Now, let me tell you one other thing. We talk about, uh, there's so many pieces here about the early treatment and things, and you're you're informed if you're a regular listener to, to this program and really to our overarcher network, you're informed. You'll want to be informed people. And clearly this is a hot button, this COVID uh, fiasco that we have stayed on for you. But the thing I I wanna uh, mention to you now as well is that uh, the whole thing when you're going through something like this with any disease, any virus people, it doesn't matter what it is. And in life, it's our immune systems, okay? You've gotta have the right immune system. You've got to have a healthy immune system to be able to combat whatever the virus or the disease or the problem is. That's just a fact. It's a fact. And that's something I've learned in my life. So that's why I always tell you, I walk every day. I, I make a very attempt to walk four or five miles, even when I'm, I know I'm busy, crazy, but you know what? It's no excuse. I love it when people say, oh, I'm, I'm too busy or whatever. Like, listen, we have as much time in our lives 
uh, for the things that are important that are important. We make the time for everything that's a priority, believe me. So when somebody says to you, I'm too busy, it just means they're not interested. <laughs> that's a real cop out when somebody says that because if it's a value and important to us, we make the time. So don't give me that stuff, you're too busy people, okay? I don't wanna hear it, yeah? So your health and your lifestyle is important. That's why I talk about lifestyle all the time with you. As busy as I am, and I can use the word, well, Malcolm, you just said not to use it. True. But there are some of us who are busy indeed, but we still make time for the things that are important. And that is lifestyle, getting out, walking, breathing, smiling, saying hi to people, living life. You know, why not? Right. And the other thing I want, you know where I'm going, people healthy cell. I've got to tell you about it because I've been taking healthy cell for well over three years now, I contacted them and they are now one of our national sponsors and not accidentally on America Out Loud, but it's very intentional they are here. Uh, Dr. Vincent Giampapa, the founder, who's a Nobel Prize nominee uh, for this uh, product. It's incredible, a healthy cell. So it's far different than a vitamin. It's not that at all. But here's what I want to tell you. Here's the message today. Uh, and I'm hoping Dr. Ely hears this as, as well. And that is uh, the new product. Uh, one of the new products they have is called Immune Super Boost. Immune Super Boost. And my friends, this is incredible. And I'm taking it. And what it is, it's, uh, you'll hear the message in the break here about it, but this is a great thing to keep your immune system up there to fight COVID. How about it, it really effective doses of vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, uh, echinacea extract, elderberry, all the things it's a it's a they don't call it that but it really is a covid recipe but really it, it's even beyond covid forget covid a moment it's about our immune systems if your immune system is healthy and you're doing good immune this you're gonna fight you, you know what you're gonna be in the best position not to have any problems you'll be able to tackle any chinese virus that comes along or the or the russian flu for that matter right or the Washington DC hives, whatever the hell that is, right? So any of those things, you can fight that with a healthy immune system. So anyways, I wanna tell you about that. Healthycell.com forward slash out loud, right? We're all out loud, right? Let's get out loud, people. And that gets you 20% off your first order. Only our listeners get it. You can also click the banner ad back at americaoutloud.com and that'll put you right in there to get your discount as well. Again, healthycell.com forward slash out loud. And I want to recommend this immune super boost. I take it. Please take it. Take care of yourself, people. How are you going to be here? Good for the fight ahead if we don't take care of ourselves. Now, listen, let's take a pause. Lots more to talk about on restoring public trust after COVID. And I got a few thoughts for you. We'll be back in just a moment. Because of COVID-19, the average American worries about their immune health four times a day. That's 112 times per year. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains 15 full doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day pill-free gel pack. It tastes great, is convenient on the go, and it's more natural too, without chemical binders, fillers, and coatings. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off your first order of Immune Super Boost. 
That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code OUTLOUD for 20% off. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. It's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. So it's all about how to restore public trust after COVID. Uh, Again, I could use that same question or a quandary narrative about a lot of things at this moment of our historical lives, my fellow Americans, you know, how to restore public trust in government, how to restore public trust in our government agencies, how to restore public trust in the FBI, how to restore public trust in our local governments, you know, it goes on and on and on, right? How to restore public trust in the CDC and the FDA, well, you know, you'd have to probably in some of these groups, you'd have to start all over again, right? You'd have to knock it down and start all over again. I mean, how do you really ever restore public trust? Or you do what Dr. Henry Ely says, you admit mistakes were made, but how do we get them to do that? Well, the only way we could get them to do that is if we, as uh, you know, audit the information, audit the test. He even suggested having a uh, really a town hall. And I love these town halls. I love what Dr. Ely said there, because uh, I, 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 in fact, I would even volunteer my time uh, to be the master of ceremonies. I'd be far more effective than a Chris Wallace would be, obviously. But I would gladly, gladly be the master of ceremonies and the person there to carry on this uh, town hall. Absolutely. And let's have, and I won't even call him fake Fauci. I'll I'll be respectful, call him Dr. Anthony Fauci. I mean, I'm going to be very respectful here now. Okay. Put my respect hat on. So I won't even call him fake Fauci at all. Um, And, uh, but I would do that, bring the players on and put all the questions out there and have a moment of truth for our country and all sincerity. It is what we really need. We need town hall meetings on a lot of subject matters, quite honestly, this is one of many. That only happens uh, when the people stand and demand it. Any of this kind of stuff, it's it's just all gonna happen when you out there say you've had enough. And that's gonna be the pushback. There's gotta be a pushback in this country against bureaucrats. Gotta be another, um, well, 
back in the day, it was a Tea Party that pushed back against Britain. Uh, and and, and that, that was in the case of, you know, over government and taxes. And of course, that's still happening today. What, you know, I ask myself all the time, what lessons have we learned in 245 years? Don't answer that for me now, people, will you? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's something we should be asking ourselves, isn't it? Uh, there are days that go by, I'm not sure we're learning any lessons. And it's scary as hell especially when we're trying to plan for future generations and we're trying to preserve our great nation for our kids, our grandkids and everybody that that's important here. America stands on the threshold. We're at the, the crossroads of history. I say to you, that's where we're at this moment. And uh, what we do, you and I, and our fellow man out there is going to make all the difference. That's we've got to, we've got to make a rally and call it makes sense here. We've got to get people to tune in here. We've got to help people with information, not to be sarcastic, and, but to be faithful to the mission of what we're trying to accomplish here. I know we laugh along the way and chuckle sometimes and laugh at each other, and I get it. And sometimes we do that just to, uh, sometimes we need a, you know, to distress or we need to, you know, a giggle in the moment or just, yeah, I, I guess that's what I kind of do in my world. It's a bit of sarcasm, maybe sometimes, of course, but other times we know that we need to be sincere and we have a mission. And remember now, this is always, always going to be about good and evil. This was always going to be about the, I mean, all the things we talked about here on the program today are always about good and evil. That becomes the underlying point of every discussion. Don't it? Don't lose sight of that, people. Everything that's happening in your world, I want you to break it down to that in your mind now. Break it down to the fight of good and evil. And then realize, please, something is at the point of good. Somebody's representing good and somebody is representing evil. Evil comes in many forms. And it is greed, for sure. It is power. Uh, it, is, it is a disrespect for life. All the things we see in this COVID fiasco would play in evil, you see? So all of this is centered to the fight that I take on every day with you, which is why, by the way, we cover COVID as much as we cover it. I mean, it's not the only thing. We don't breathe, sleep, and drink it here. But we cover it a fair amount, you have to admit. And it's, it's been on our network and our platform, just as well as other things, our economy is and our political discussions. But it, it's a major uh, sticking point for sure. It's in a major threshold of, of uh, dialogue that we need to be having here in our country. So I don't, I don't, don't want to minimize that or camouflage it. Or it's, it's important. And the only way we're going to solve these things is to talk about them. Um, you know, so admit mistakes were made, okay? Audit the test. Correct the case and death counts, right? And elected officials are being denied this vital information, Dr. Ely said. Even the elected officials, think about that for a minute. Even your congressmen and your senators and what have you are being denied vital information. In other words, they're getting the run around as well. They're not even getting the truth. People in power and people in committees and then it comes back over here to the side here of this orchestrated event or calculated, if you will, which certainly was questioned or suggested 
in some of my dialogue with Dr. Henry Ely. Again, I, I didn't get the sense from him. He's, he's not kind of a, a, a witch doctor kind of thing. He wasn't accusing anybody specifically. I think he was accusing the system of letting the American people down. That, those are my words, not, not his, but that's what I would suggest to you. I think he was questioning and is still questioning all of the bureaucracy that has been layered on with COVID and all the misgivings here. You know, at some point, people, you know, when, when you're driving down the boulevard and you see in the distance in the far left side, a house, and there's a lot of smoke coming out of the window there, you say, oh, they must be having a little barbecue, right? And there's a lot more smoke coming out from the other window. And there's even smoke coming out from the roof on the side there. And there's smoke on the other side. Well, you got to kind of get to the conclusion that the house is on fire. Where there is a lot of smoke, surely there is a lot of fire. Where there is a lot of fire, in this case, somebody lit the fire potentially, right? Who's guilty as charged of lighting the fire? Creating all that smoke. And all that smoke was fear that you were asked to digest over the past year and a half as we disrupted the world, we disrupted the United States of America, we disrupted your lives. It's like, it's like a commercial message in the middle of your lives. We're going to give you a pandemic, which, you know, here it is. And then we're going to screw everything up. We're going to do everything wrong. And we're going to keep doing it wrong. And we're not going to admit anything. Isn't that what's happening? Sure it is, because right now these people are doubling, tripling down. We, we want vaccination passports. They, they got apps now that will tell you to go cheat and tell people on your neighbors if you don't have a vaccine. I'm not making this stuff up. We talked about that the other day. So, you know, you, you look at all of this, you see, you know, and it just builds a bigger, bigger narrative. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of smoke here, people, is all I'm trying to conclude. There's a lot of smoke here. How we would ever get any of them to admit anything, I'm not seeing that specifically. Uh, the only way to get that to happen would be to have to nail the, uh, call it all out. Now, part of that is what Dr. Ely and his folks are doing. It's also what Dr. McCullough is working on and many, many others on the platform. Dr. Lee for America here. They're all working. A lot of people, listen, there are a lot of people out there doing great work and are out for good. There are, there's a lot of great people out there and they're in the fight of good as we are here uh, on this program, you know, as Malcolm is, that's what I represent. I represent God. I represent the fight of good. That's who I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a missionary to that end. That's all it is. Let's bring the truth out and let's, and we'll deal with it. But the only way we're going to do that is to get this all out. He said, admit, audit, and then we're going to have to call them out on it because they're not going to admit it easy. Now, you know, you would almost say, well, there's got to be some guilty people. Well, hell yeah, there's got to be some guilty stuff here. But my friends, there's guilty all over the place. I mean, if there is ever a moment of justice in our nation, when does that happen? I mean, you look at our political establishment over the last, what, certainly, the last 10, 15 years, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's disturbing. It is truly disturbing how far and how much we have fallen from grace in this country.
I think back to the Obama years and the fast and furious, and I bring it forward from there throughout all the scandals, all the things that happened there, right through Trump and the Russia collusion stuff and all of the myriad of impeachment things and things that happened and prostitutes and Moscow hotels and lies and dossiers and yellow brick roads and, you know, I mean, people pulling levers and it was, it was a far-fetched futuristic movie to the likes of something we've never seen. So when we talk for at the greater good here, and we really talk about restoring public trust, how do we really do that? Because in a really interesting sort of way over here, uh, we're just digging a hole. We're, we're digging a hole that is deeper and deeper for all of us. There doesn't ever appear to be a moment of truth. I mean, I talk to you each day in, in, a, in a, a truthful tone, so we all understand what the conversation is, but I don't have all the answers, but I surely have a hell of a lot of questions, you see. And then we have to say, how do we find the answers, Malcolm? Well, I think Dr. Ely was on part of that today. He's got a lot of answers in his data. He's going to give us a lot of those links and stuff, by the way, we will put in the post when this show goes to podcast, rest assured, okay? It will be in there. In the meantime, uh, I, I need you to help me reach out across the country. Uh, more so than that, reach out in the circle of your own circle of friends and family, uh, neighbors, people of influence, you know, we, we've lost, a lot of people have lost a lot of friendships and a lot of relationships through the uh, toxic uh, political circles in the last many years, right? So, you know, in order to get to the truth, but a lot of those people are listening to lies and innuendos and just boldface untruths on media of all kinds and television, newspaper, radio, everything, I mean social media, there's so much lies out there. You realize if we were able to detect a, uh, have a special meter that could color everything in the world, lies and truth, you know, blue and red, and you go in and you put the meter on, you know how much would be lies in our lives? Do you ever get the feeling like we're living in a wonderland moment where most everything, we're living a lie, everything's a lie, our everything, our government's a lie, national, local, federal, state, bureaucracies, neighbors, people, relationships, spouses. We're like, we're all living in a testament of lies. I mean, I, I don't know if we could just, I could, I'd love to be able to have what I call the bullshit meter. Just give me that. Let me turn that on and go outside and turn the bullshit meter on. Why don't I do a show one time about the bullshit meter? Don't you think, you know, just simple, you know, turn the bullshit meter on, go out and see, how much truth is there really out here in the big world and how much is lies? You know, I, I mean, really though, really. I mean, how, how, how much is just, they're so full of it. So full of it. And at what point do we say we've had enough? So again, calling them out on it and demanding truth, my friends, that's got to come back to our constitutional rights and our liberty. And it's going to come back to we, the people. It is we, the people. The power always lies with the people. And that's what our government is made of. Our government doesn't exist without the people. We tell government what to do. And they work for us. These people work for us. You see, that's what needs to happen here. 
And we got to remind everybody of that because a good part of America thinks it's the other way around. And we got to call these people out and demand truth. And we got to call the, the CDCs and the, the FDAs and the IRSs and the FBIs and the DOJs and all of these uh, uh, alphabet people. We've got to call them all out. We demand truth. What is the truth? And then we'll pull the fancy, dancy, wendy bullshit meter out, turn it on and light them up like a fire. How's that? Somebody let me know when you invent that, please. I need to invent the bullshit meter so I can turn that on to the world and know who's telling the truth and who's lying. Well, check out Dr. Henry Ely. Check out uh, this uh, uh, great work his organization is doing. Energetic Health Institute. I like that name, Energetic Health Institute. Don't also forget to check out Healthy Cell. Get your immune super boost and feel energetic, please. But check him out as well there. My fellow Americans, thank you for hanging with me. Thank you for being here on the mission. And uh, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Positive. Positive reinforcements. Time. Let's get involved. Let's get loud.